You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 out 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. This time of year in the summertime, Maximizer Mineral is top grade, top shelf, top notch. Read your seed tags. Even though it's not a seed, you can read the tag. Read the back of the bag. Read your darn trophy rock or whatever crap it is you're throwing out right now. Check it out. Compare the differences. It's not all about salt content. Uh, if you go to the doctor, and I, I, I'm sure that I'm, everybody on here has been told, hey, you don't need to be eating any more salt. It's not doing anything for you. Well, it's the same way with the mineral, man. Actually, you want real minerals. Not just one. Too much salt. Bad, bad thing. Throw out some Maximizer Mineral. Head out to www.realworldwildlifeproducts.com and identify a dealer near you if you want to feed something out to your deer herd that actually makes a difference. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know the answer, you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there in the <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rose here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz of Crane Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Testing one, two. I'm not plugged in, but it's picking up all that anyway. Well, it's just going to sound like garbage. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pro Talk Outdoors. I uh, want to go ahead and just call attention to it. If things sound a little different today, that's because we had a wee bit of an audio issue. Obviously, we're going to do the best we can, and, and if it's made it to your earwaves, then that means we've made it uh, acceptable enough to put out into the mainstream audience, but uh, we're definitely going to get this straightened out and shouldn't face it again. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit of a gaggle, but it's it's odd because it's the same set of very upgraded equipment we've been using, and it's not the equipment's fault. 
It's the computer's fault. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing. If, if For anybody out there that, that may be listening to this that's a podcaster or have, you know, or, or listens to podcasts a lot, you probably have heard a lot of podcasts where things just don't go as planned, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. This equipment just sometimes, even it's even though it's state-of-the-art equipment and it's up-to-date and everything, um, you buy the best you can, um, sometimes it just gets a little cantankerous with you. And I've, I've got to put it on the computer, man. I mean, this computer's old, and it's uh, it's probably ready to lay down on me. Probably about time to, uh, to ask the boss for a new computer, huh? <laughs> you could say that. You could say that. But, hey, we're going to have an awesome episode today. Uh, I'm excited. Very excited. You and I are both uh, very passionate about the outdoors. And our guest, obviously, anybody that's on this show is going to be somebody that's passionate about the outdoors. But uh, there's another common interest here. He's a dual threat. He's talented at something else that you and I both really, really enjoy. But he's far more talented than we could comprehend. Uh, yeah, it's uh, next level. I mean, top of the level. Top level. Yeah, top level. It's, Upper echelon. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the key is here for you as well. JP, in your studio, we're sitting here right now, and I'm looking at these uh, cornhole boards over here in the corner that uh, they got the Yankee pinstripes on them. And uh, there's a little sign up here above the door. It's yeah. got Yankee Stadium I on. see Yankee Stadium up there, and I, and I know that that's all you talk about. You're, you're a Yankee lover, and uh, you know, and I've always been somewhat of a Yankee fan. I'm a huge Reds fan, um, and, and I do like the Yankees. I'm not a Yankee hater. It seems like most people are in either camp. They're either they love the Yankees or they hate the Yankees. Misunderstood. That's all I like to say. Yeah, they're misunderstood, but uh, yeah, our guest today—he's a Yankee. He's a Yankee, man. This is this is pretty awesome for me. So uh, super excited to have this guest on. I'm not going to spoil it. You have to stick around to see who it's going to be, unless of course you click the description and read through what this episode was about. Sure, they probably already know. And, and then you probably know that hey, it's Tony Zick. So stick around, guys. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. JP and Dave here, and we teased a little bit in the opening segment that we were going to have a double threat on the show today. And we've had some double threats before, but I don't think anybody like this. Man, I'm I'm super, super excited about our guest because, you know, you and I, we, we share the same passion, the same background, and uh, man, we are complete amateurs in the outdoors, but we are totally complete amateurs with the sport that we love the most. But this guy's not. This guy's not. He took it from amateur to a professional level. We want to welcome Tony Zick. And Tony, am I pronouncing that last name correctly? Yes, sir. That is correct. Okay, that's that's what I thought. Now, obviously, you're on a show called Pro Talk Outdoors, so it's more than just baseball that we're going to be talking about. So anybody that's super excited to to hear stuff from the Diamond, we're going to get to that. But we want to give everything its due diligence and and mention first and foremost exactly how Tony came to us on Pro Talk Outdoors, and that is a mutual partnership with Real World Wildlife Products. And, and Tony, I want to open that up as number one and say thank you for coming on. And number two, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the outdoor ventures and how you linked up with Real World. Well, first off, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Excited to do this. Um, you know, uh, for me, my dad actually bought a piece of property when I was about seven or eight years old. So we've kind of been around hunting forever. And obviously baseball, um, is what I did growing up as well. Um, I, I guess in the last two years, I've really tried to take it to the next level and kind of show what we do 
on the farm and it actually was unique uh, with real world i was actually the last two years i was actually injured so i was able not able to play baseball but was kind of rehabbing at home and spending a lot more time on the farm and i uh reached out to them and talked to terry and, and he was actually telling me a little bit about his daughter going through a uh, surgery and injury at the time and we just got to talking about baseball and injury and and then it was you know branched into hunting and, and what we do and, and and honestly it honestly i use him to just pick his brain about the knowledge they got around uh white tails and with don higgins and, and all the stuff with with real world that they're doing we actually used real world on our farms for the last probably three or four years but you know, finally getting that first kind of partnership with a with a real company and 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 branching out and and getting more knowledge in the outdoors and and it's just been great. So you're you're from a small town in Illinois, is that correct? I'm actually from Moni, Illinois. Yes. Okay. So and I mean, you grew up with this kind of background in the first place. So is this a passion that's just been instilled in you from? a pretty early age and, and baseball was just another thing that you did or, you know, did you pick this up later in life? How, how did, how did your hunting roots begin? Um, I, I mean, my grandpa was a farmer, so I grew up in the outdoors, um, you know, working with him in the fields and, and learning stuff like that. But I also actually drove an hour to high school on the south side of the city just because of my baseball opportunity. So I was really in a, a split environment, kind of a little redneck kid going to the city and playing baseball. So um, I would say my hunting passion started when I was young though, when my, my dad um, got into it, um, was going down to a small town called Virginia, Illinois, and, and kind of fell in love with that community. And that's where we ended up, or he ended up buying the first farm we had and and it kind of all evolved together um like i said i was I, I was in the outdoors a lot but the baseball and the hunting it all it all wrapped together but the land management stuff came later i would say learning more of the ins and outs of, of what it takes to kill big bucks and and, and that became a, a later passion so how, how long have you actually been involved with uh, food plotting um, my dad always jokes that back in the day on our first farm, we, we planted a little, our first, first food plot, I guess. And that was just a little biologic plot. And he ended up killing a drop time buck right off that plot. Oh, probably 10, 12 years ago. And that was really our first real experience with it. And then the last three or four years is really, I've tried to learn as much as I can and, and, and advance with it. So I mean, being in Illinois, you've got some uh, you've got some distinct advantages because it is a it is a big buck state. But you've also got some major disadvantages because you you don't have the ability to do things like we do in Indiana and Kentucky and put out mineral and and feed and things like that. Uh, so that's that's got to pose some uh, different issues with you as well. There, trying to figure out what kind of deer you got to hunt over there. Yeah, I mean it's a lot different. Obviously the Illinois is what I knew to begin with, kind of stricter rules, and, and that's just how it is, and uh, mostly bow hunting, and, and 
I think that really led into my passion, though, because I felt like, um, I mean, I'm not going to say it's harder to get in front of them, but you really got to take into account the, the, the food, the food plots, the, the what you're doing. It's not as easy as just popping a mineral site and the camera up. You got to, you got to adapt a little bit. And, and on our first few farms that we had, we, um, you know, kind of just see our feet, fields and learning the hunting not as much learning the nutrition learning the food plotting stuff and that kind of evolved over time but um yeah it's definitely it's definitely a different um approach than than some other states well i gotta tell you i mean i'll be the first to admit you know if if it weren't for maximizer and complete feed and just a couple corn piles here or there I probably would suck at getting big deer uh, pictures in the summertime. I, I would I wouldn't have a clue how to go about it, but it seems like uh, you, you you Illinois boys over there you seem to uh, to do just fine with it. Let me ask you this question: Do you feel like the fact that you can't put out mineral and feed to get those pictures does it does it have any effect on your hunting? Does it make you a better hunter because you can kind of determine and pinpoint where you can get pictures of deer at? Um, I mean, I would say there's definitely a facet of learning more of the little things. All the hunting I've ever done has been probably 95% bow hunting and, and not having minerals. And I've hunted a lot of public land and trying to focus more on the little things instead of, like you're saying, more of the pop the mineral side up in the camera, trying to find them little, little you know, browse patches in the timber or on the edges or where they like to just congregate. Little things have been my focus for a long time. And I think that's definitely helped me as a hunter and, and getting in front of them and where to maybe put the cameras early and, and stuff like that. Just learning learning some of them little things young, I think, really helped. Yeah, I mean, it really it comes down to woodsmanship, it sounds like. You guys have to rely more on woodsmanship where we have the advantage of just being able to put mineral out and throw a camera up and we can get those pictures. Now, hunting's a different ball game for us, but, I mean, as far as just getting an inventory in the summertime, we definitely have uh, an advantage there, but also I would say almost a disadvantage in some ways because we're not, we're not forced to be good woodsmen over here. We just kind of throw it up and we get the pictures, but you guys have to, like you mentioned, browse. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't ever look for browse pressure. Do you ever see that JP you look for? No, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't consider a mass crop browse pressure. You know I mean? It's, it's things are just nipping off of every little vegetative thing they pass by. And, and no, I, I don't, and I need to be better at it. Yeah. It's one of those things that, that guys like us probably need to focus more attention to detail for those things. And, and we just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a big a big part in it. I think a lot of the, you know, finding the nut trees, finding the brows, just, I mean, the, the YouTube video of the deer I shot last year, it was actually a new farm, and I put five cameras out the first, uh, well, the first day I was on it, really, and we had, um, there was one spot two weeks before hunting season even, and had a little little brows picked off, a couple leaves picked off on the edge, and, and really there was one hoof print in the dirt. And for some reason, it just, you know, prompted me to put a camera there because that's what I was looking for. Most people aren't even looking for scrapes or nothing that early, and it was just happened to be a, 
his little home range and one of his markings and lo and behold the first camera pole he was on it and he stayed there and i killed him right off that same trail the third day of the season that must so, have been a pretty good hoof print <laughs> what's that i said that must have been a pretty nice hoof print yeah, it was it was solid print. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, let, let me ask this then. Obviously, you've you've got a pretty natural acumen to this kind of thing. What brought you into the storytelling side of it and and Taz Timbers? Tell tell me what really started that venture. Um, I think for me personally, when I actually didn't have baseball, I realized that you know baseball is not going to be forever and. As much as I love it, um, I was forced to not be able to play for a while due to injury, and I, I realized outdoors is my real passion and, and outside of the field that I can do, and it's something that's kind of timeless. You know, me and me and Dad just have really got a good relationship, and, and that's what we do together. I mean, when I go home, we go hunting. When I... We talk on the phone, we talk about the plots and what we're doing on the farm. And, and, and it's just, that's what we do. And I think we've done it for a while together. And, and in baseball, getting to meet a lot of people and being around a lot of players from different backgrounds and being in different states, you know, not realizing how spoiled we are in the Midwest. You know, I'm showing pictures of deer back home and people just can't believe some of the things we see or do and, and I finally realized that, you know, we are having success in what we do. And, and I feel like we're real in what we do. We, we're wholesome. We do the best we can and we work hard. And, and I just felt like it was time to show that. So what's, what's the ultimate goal and outlook for that show? Do you have plans to grow that thing as big as you possibly can? Or is it going to be something that's a, more of just a passion project on the side that just gets as big as it gets. You know, I think it, it just kind of started to, to see where it goes and kind of a, a new look at it. Um, obviously my goal is uh, take it as big as it can. I mean, I was able to film a bunch of stuff uh, in the last year around deer hunting our farm going turkey hunting in Florida and just a bunch of cool little things. And I, I really enjoy it. And, and obviously, you know, getting the recognition and, the, and starting something up is never easy, but I mean, I, I never like putting a limit on anything. I mean, I was able to play major league baseball. So, I mean, I obviously feel like if you can dream it, you can do it. So we'll just kind of see what happens with it. Well, that's that's a, a great point. I mean, that's a that's a dream a lot of us have had. I I don't know about Dave when he was really young, but it was something of mine as a kid. My passion was always baseball. Uh, I'm I'm 29. You and I are the same age. Uh, I just I grew up loving it. And I was actually I was a New York Yankee fan at five years old and just stayed that way and always wanted to just just play baseball as long as I possibly could. And I picked up hunting later in life. Dave was actually the reason I got into to whitetail hunting. I'd always been an avid bass angler, but had never really gotten into the whitetail side of it. And, uh, you know, this is, we're rolling up on year number six now that I'm going to be chasing bucks. And, and I have to say, I mean, there's something, something to it. When you say it's a, it's a true passion that's timeless, Tony, you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I don't envision myself ever stepping away from this and I don't think it's going to matter how old I get. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's um, there are only a few things in life that are that way, and and I think learning that, branching off what you were saying. I mean, wanting to play baseball as long as I can, absolutely. But then kind of getting getting it taken away at a moment's notice from me, and kind of going, okay, now what? And, and fortunately, I've been able to get back in the game at this point, but you know, uh, it ends. I mean, it does, and and hunting. It cannot end, and it can go as long as, you know, you can physically get yourself out there, and you can do it with parents, grandparents, friends, anyone in the world. And I don't – I mean, there ain't many things that are that, are that awesome, per se. Well, let's talk about the baseball for, for a minute as well. Obviously, you, you've had an incredible uh, run at it thus far, and you're coming off of injury with a chance to, to break back into the big leagues – Walk me through what it was like coming up through the minors and then breaking in with the Seattle Mariners back in 2015. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, there was a point there. I was in Double A for like three years, and I, I didn't know if I was it was gonna work out at that point. And I went into that off season and really tinkered with some stuff and and tried to go back to, I guess. Some, some little things I did in college and made some adjustments in the offseason and took them into that, that 2015 season and ended up getting traded from the Cubs to the Mariners in spring, and it was all just kind of a whirlwind, show up to a new team, you know, start the season, ended up having a lot of success early, kind of getting around and new people and new feel at that time really, really helped me. Um, and the adjustments were really finally taking off, and – it was just kind of that dream year. I moved up to AAA, pitched well. By September, they call you to the big leagues. And, I mean, I think my second game in the big leagues, I was facing Trout, Pujols, and Cron right out of the bullpen with bases loaded. So that was a good wake-up call. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> it was mind-blowing, but it was probably the best inning I've ever had. It was like a seven-pitch pop-up, ground-out, strikeout, and – no one scored. It was crazy. Well, I mean, that's awesome. You're, you're so. Uh, I would have to think you got to feel pretty good about when when it happens for you again here shortly that that you're going to pick up where you left off. I mean, obviously that is the goal. Um, obviously, been working really hard the last three years just to get back and and getting around the team and being around. I mean, most of the Yankee players, if not every one of them, are the best at what they do and getting to learn and, and be around some of the best in the game period. And it's been amazing. So hopefully just, just keep learning and, and get that chance again and do what I do. So tell us about the, the injury and, and where you're at with that. Yeah. So it was a weird, it's called thoracic outlet. So I basically, my hand was going numb and lo- losing feeling down my arm, getting a bunch of headaches. It was, it was terrible, really. And ended up having to have surgery for it in October 2018. And then me and my little team back home, we created our whole like, rehab based off of 14 months. And we tried to just get back to healthy at 14 months. And for some reason at that 14 month, it was feeling good and I went to throw out a high school showcase in Chicago and the Yankees called me and asked me to come to big league camp the next week. 
So from that, I was able to do the normal spring training and obviously everything was going really, really good. And then the uh, life catastrophe hit for everybody. But um, right now everything feels good. I'm, I'm just throwing and we're, we're in that little taxi squad group right now. So depending, you know, the day to day and, and I mean, I'm ready to go though. See so what happens. T- tell us, how does that work? I mean, like, okay, so I'm, uh, I'm a baseball fan, but I, you know, I haven't followed it long enough to know or deep enough with the COVID stuff and coming back and the players agreement and all that kind of players such as yourself that maybe would be involved on a, what, a 40 man roster, but yet it's, what is it now? 26 or something like that? Well, 26 is the active big league roster. 40 is the expanded call-ups. So how does that work? Um, So, I mean, the the 26 and 40 is normal. The different, um, those are the only players that could play this year. That's, that's it. Um, they had to. That's what was really shortened. Um, the other stuff is kind of working as normal, except that there's no minor league season. So most of the guys that are on the, I guess, sixty man pool. You know, they got thirty. They had thirty. I think it just it's going to twenty eight, maybe tomorrow or the next day. And then and those are the guys in the big leagues, and they got four or five. I think it's going to four or five. They're just change, they, they, they're changing everything, too, as we go. But there's guys right at the major league site on the team. If something happens directly that day based off of sickness or someone gets the COVID or whatever it may be. And then there's, I guess, guys that are at the, at the alternate site. So I guess essentially – it would be like the AAA site, so it would be the AAA minor league site, but there's no games. So right. we're just kind of practicing and doing everything we can and trying to stay as ready as we can, and literally we could get switched in and out daily and, and go up there tomorrow and play in a big league game or not. It's just crazy. So do you, do you feel any pressure right now or anxiety? Where, where's your head at? Are you pretty well at peace with where everything's going? I'm great. Um, I think going going back to a few years ago, kind of the, like I said, with playing, then not playing, and then surgery, and that stuff took such, I guess, a toll on me then, but it also helped me grow up and be more at peace with everything and not worry about it. I mean, baseball is a wild game. You can do everything you can on the field to – you know, get results or what have you, but the decisions aren't in your, in your hand. I mean, it relies on the team's decision or if you go up, if you go down, what you're doing. So being a little bit older in the game, I mean, basically 10 years professionally now, you kind of learn to just control what you can control each day. And I think the big thing going back to the, you know, Taz Timbers and the farm, that helps me. I mean, I don't worry about what I can't control. And then I, you know, focus on task timbers and what we're doing at the farm and, and then do everything I can here each day. And, and it creates a full day for me and it kind of takes some of that anxiety out. I can focus on, you know, something else. Yeah. I was, I was actually going to ask you about that. How, uh, cause it, it does seem like, you know, JP and I both played baseball in our younger days and, um, so young what are you talking about <laughs> okay i i played in my younger days i played a little college ball but um you know it seems like to me that 
deer hunting especially is something that kind of relates to baseball in fact that it's 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 kind of a uh, I don't know, it's a thinking man's game really i mean it's it's full of a lot of cognitive thought processing things um but I, I just wondered how that how you felt about that as far as uh, the relation from hunting in the outdoors to your baseball season how does that relate for you i mean you just mentioned that it it probably helped you deal with adversity because you had something to go to but um is it anything on a higher level for you I mean, I think my brain on the athletic side just drives me to, I mean, I can't just do something. I got to be the best at what I do. That's just my mentality. I have to try to be the best. And I think that is what has helped me in the outdoors side of it is just trying to be the best is learning as much as I can every day, whether it's texting Terry from real world for a few hours talking about something or, or listening to podcasts or reading up stuff, um, you know, that Lee Likoski is doing or, or what have you. My, my drive is just really high to consume as much knowledge as I can all the time. And I think when I put and switch that on, I start getting results over time just by the amount of work I'm putting in, I guess. And then, um, and I get, I think that is what helps me in the outdoors or anything I do for that matter. It's just, I can't just do it a little bit. I have to, <laughs> I have to go hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the half-assed kind of guy myself. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you're like JP or, you know, you guys are about the same. He's, He's very, very anal when it comes to things and details. And I'll tell you a quick story, Tony. We were we were out uh, this spring turkey hunting, and it was opening day in, in Indiana here, and I'm filming JP on a turkey hunt. And we're working this big bird, and he's he commits, and he comes in, but he has to come in through a different route because it's such trash and thickness in front of us. So, I mean, like, we're all ready, and this bird pops up just to the left of us, and kind of catches us by surprise, and he comes running in. And it was kind of a, a gaggle because I'm running the camera, and I'm like, okay, wait. And I'm like, all right, I'm on him. And I'm on the bird, and JP pulls his gun up, and he blows a hole in the side of the blind. <laughs> the bird takes off flying, and I go back to JP, and he's just, I mean, he is just dismantled, man. He is just, <laughs> he is, he's in a terrible mood. And then after I get done filming that record, you know, uh, recording his uh, uh, interview, I hit the button and it starts recording. I didn't record any of it. So, oh, so there it was. I was like, I was relieved. I was like, oh, man, it's all good. I didn't, you know, you missed. So I'm, I'm not upset. I'm kind of glad you missed because I didn't hit record. But he was a mess for hours. I was, I was not happy about the miss. I, I don't much care. I don't much care for failure, especially when it's something stupid that I should have prevented. So, uh, yeah, that was that was yeah. quite the boo boo. That's that's what you call life. That is what you call life, a hundred percent. I wanted to ask you since I had you on here. I think other than uh, than you and I both being pretty pretty passionate and uh, detail oriented into a, a deep dive of research, it seems we have a one small connection. I think you played college baseball with. Uh, Jeffrey Thompson, am I mistaken? 
Uh, I did, yes. Okay, so I, I faced off against Jeffrey uh, on prom night of my senior year of high school. Whoa, 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 whoa. We talking on the baseball field? On the field? baseball field. Okay, on you the said baseball on prom field. night. I, I, I hit, I hit leadoff, and we were a lot smaller school. Floyd Central was a, a baseball powerhouse, and uh, I'm not sure why they put Jeffrey on the mound to play us. We, we weren't a great team by any stretch. And uh, he, he threw the very first pitch of the game right at my dome. And, uh, you know, I, I hit the dirt, and I, I popped back up into the batter's box. And I knew he had enough control that he probably did it on purpose, but it was enough to really – screw me up. And I, I ended up with three ABs on him and, and got a bat on him one time and lined out to, to center field. But I wanted to ask you, as a pitcher for U of L, and, and did you ever get a chance to step into the box against Jeffrey? And, and am I as bad as I thought I was against him? Or, or did you ever get a chance to swing the bat against him? I don't, I honestly, I, at first I was a two-way player, but I don't remember if I ever faced him or not. I don't think I faced him hitting, but obviously um, seeing him firsthand throwing, and he was just not easy to hit. He's a big guy, and that ball looked like he was handing it to the catcher. So it, it um, really, it I'm, really did. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, he he made a lot of guys look bad, so I wouldn't feel too bad. I was tickled that I got a bat on it and hit a liner, but I have to say, the other two at bats, I think I saw a total of seven pitches, and and they were both strikeouts. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, he's he's. A very impressive athlete too, and he um, he was fun to be around. So no, he's uh, that's a good story. Tony, I you and I have something in common here. I didn't even realize this. You went to U of L way back in the yes. day. I actually had a scholarship offer to go to U of L, but I didn't go. I wish I would have. But back whenever I came out, um, this is the Stone Age. The, U of L was not what U of L <laughs> is now, or even when you were there. Um, right. I was, uh, I, I graduated high school in 94 and, um, uh, I had a, uh, it was a really low credit. I, I can't even remember what it was. I think it was like six credit hours they offered me or something like that. But at that time being in Southern Indiana, it was, it was out of state tuition and I chose to go across the river to, uh, IUS. <laughs> That's where I, uh, I played ball at in college, but I wish to this day, the way that U of L's turned into a powerhouse, I wish I would have went there, and Just that way so I could say, say "Yeah, that way I could say, oh yeah, I played baseball at Louisville,' you know." But didn't work out. Yeah, for it's me. really amazing. It's really amazing what it's turned into the last. Well, I guess in the last ten years, it's really. I mean, there's seems like three first rounders come out of there every year now. It's it's amazing. Well, well, Tony, before we let you go, we want to give you an opportunity to uh, to plug Taz Timbers, where everybody can find it, how they can keep up with you, and anything that they may need to keep their eyes peeled for, uh, you know, over the next couple months. Yeah, so obviously on Instagram, it's just uh, Taz Timbers Outdoors, and we uh, just started the YouTube channel also, Taz Timbers Outdoors, and, and we got one YouTube video up, and hopefully I uh, got a turkey hunt i'm editing now from we got a osceola turkey this year once they canceled the season i was able to go down there so i'm gonna be cutting that and hopefully get that up soon and and we got a lot of good bucks on the farm this year that i'm hoping to get some real good footage of too we got a couple we probably got one of our biggest deer we've ever seen on the farm this year so i'm pretty excited about it well tony we're we're, we're looking forward to seeing it and keeping up with you um i have to say i'm just going to go ahead and ask now after you go and, and you and the Yankees go to the World Series and you come back home and you shoot a buck, 
we need to do another episode and talk about both of these things. Absolutely. That sounds great. See, you, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you just made JP's day. Uh, shoot. Hang with us through the break, Tony. We'll be back. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. All right, everybody. That was an awesome episode. Uh, he's, he's Man, Tony's got a great head on his shoulders. Uh, obviously, the baseball thing is a really cool thing to connect on. You know what on, I kept thinking about the whole time we're talking to Tony? What? Is, man... I would love. I want to step, step in the, the box. box. I want to step in the box. I want to step in the box against Tony Z. I know. Well, when I brought up the Jeffrey Thompson thing and, and a teammate of his from U of L that I faced off against and, and struggled mightily, I'm just thinking, man, Jeffrey never made it to the bigs, and Tony has. Imagine how bad I would have been against Tony when I was 18. I think I'm a better athlete now than I was then. I, yeah, I I'm saying we're gonna trash talk right here after Tony's off the line, but. We can hit you, Tony. I'm ready to take a cut. Just let me use a, a composite <laughs> bat. I don't think I'm man enough to use the wood bat just yet. He would saw it off in our hands. <laughs> it, would, it would break in, in a heartbeat. Oh, man. Just super neat episode on so many different levels. It's great to connect with somebody else that's in that real-world wildlife product network for one. Number two, somebody that's in the outdoor industry for the right reason. Um, he really queued up after the interview was over and we were saying our goodbyes that He's in it for the reality of it. That really links in not only with real world because that's their motto, their slogan, their mantra, make it as real world as it can get. But that's the whole reason he even got into filming and telling stories was the industry kind of in some ways, in some areas, not all of them, got away from some of the reality it and the learning. Totally, totally did. And, you know, I had never met uh, Tony face-to-face or in person. My first interaction with Tony is is here on this podcast today. but. He comes across as an old soul, mm-hmm. uh, somebody that is uh, a blue collar work ethic, and, um, and and really cares about the roots of hunting. You know, he talked to, he talked at length about um, helping his grandpa farm and hunting with his dad and, and doing those things and, and doing things the right way, showing the real world hunting um, environment that's out there and what he deals with every year. So I, I'm looking forward to following. Taz Timbers outdoors and seeing, seeing how they uh, how successful they are this fall. Sounds like he's got a couple of hammers to chase over there in Illinois. I, I've got bad news for him. I think the Yankees are going to be playing well into October as long as this baseball season keeps going. That's good news and that's bad news. He's not going to be able to chase any bucks until November. Yeah, it happens. I'm sure he'd, he'd be more than happy to, to get a World Series ring. That's a pretty good trade-off. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, maybe the Reds can have something to say about that. Maybe. Maybe. Don't bring that in here. <laughs> hey guys thank you for listening appreciate you putting up again with uh, with a little bit of an audio difference obviously if uh, if you're hearing this we've got it straightened out enough to where we're good to go to uh to air it it is a little different we're going to work through it it's a computer related issue not an equipment related issue but uh they work together and sometimes you're only as strong as your weakest link but uh tony z that's a strong link in the outdoor community thanks again to him for coming on thanks i'm jp until next time hook em or hunt em pro talk outdoors Later, guys.